Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, the headline last week, actually two Thursdays ago at this point, was that the Steelers rallied again successfully under Kenny Pickett, who now has somehow more career fourth quarter comebacks than Josh Allen even. But there was a lot more to that win against the Titans than how it finished, of course. And for that reason, that's why Steelers Now analyst Derek Bell is here to break it down for us on the Steelers Now pregame scout. I'm Matt Geica. As we prepare for a visit from the Packers on Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m., the three-game homestand comes to a conclusion at Acrisure. Green Bay comes in at just 3-5, and five, but the Packers also just beat the Rams 20-3 last week at home. So, uh, Derek, it has been a little while. Feels like a mini-buy, a half-buy, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure the players enjoyed having the, the weekend off, especially, well, it hits a lot different when you win that Thursday game as opposed to the alternative. And it could have gone either way, but here we are again talking about another close Steelers win, aren't we? Right, yeah. It's uh, all the Steelers games, man. Like we talk about all the time, they all play out the exact same these days, right? So, um, no, it was a really interesting game for sure. Primetime matchup. The Thursday games, you know, it's always rough, uh, even though I think the home team always has the advantage, you know, if you're playing on that short week. But if you can just grind that out, man, get the dub, you get a little mini buy. And I think that's definitely a, a good thing for the Steelers. You know, um, I'm not sure if we're going to get Minka Fitzpatrick back. Um, on Sunday, it seems like they may hold him out another week. But, you know, that extra, you know, couple of days of rest is always a good thing for the players. Get some guys healthy and rejuvenated. Um, and then, you know, they get another home game uh, with the Packers coming to town. Seems like a time to take advantage, make hay, whatever your preferred cliche is. The Steelers are uh, two games back or pardon me, one and a half games back of the Ravens. One back in the loss column, Baltimore at seven and two after running away from the Seahawks this past Sunday. But the Steelers are hanging in there, and so is the entire AFC North. In fact, the Browns and the Bengals, both with 
five and three records as well. But interestingly enough, last week, Derek, we talked before the Titans game about how poorly the Steelers offense had performed on their first 15 plays of a given game over the course of this season. In fact, it's been a trend under Matt Canada. They just don't do well in the so-called scripted situations. Well, they turned that around in a big way against the Titans. It was an authoritative touchdown drive to start the game, put them in an advantageous spot, or at least a better spot than normal. Um, and they eventually converted that into a victory with some late heroics. But first things first, yeah, that opening drive was was pretty special, and there was a lot of good execution there. You highlighted on your YouTube channel this past week, we saw some play action. We saw some effective run plays. We saw a couple strong decisions from Kenny Pickett, both in stepping up in the pocket and also delivering downfield when he should have, for the most part. So uh, was that first quarter success just as encouraging as anything that happened in the fourth quarter against the Titans. Yeah. I mean, it was nice for them to just get off to a good start, you know, and not wait until the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game to put some points on the board. Um, unfortunately, you know, they weren't able to really like sustain that success throughout the first half, but I do think it was a good, uh, a good omen just to, just to see them do it at least one time, you know, uh, Matt Canada get down on the sideline. That was a change that Mike Tomlin um, and the staff made over the past week. Um, and I thought that that really who knows how much of a difference that truly makes or made. Um, it seems like they're going to continue with it against the Packers. But um, I really thought as much criticism, some of which is definitely deserved uh, that Matt Canada has taken over the course of the season and over the course of his tenure as Steelers offensive coordinator. I really thought that Thursday night was the best game that I've seen him call um, in Pittsburgh. And I'm not even, I don't want to say it's not close but I, I don't think it's close because I can't really remember a game where like I felt like he was hitting all the right buttons. Um, if it weren't for a couple errant passes, a couple just uh, execution errors, the Steelers could have easily put up 30, 35 points. And I think that, you know, no one's mistaken the Titans for the 85 Bears, um, but they're not, they don't, it's not like it's, you know, the worst defense in the league or anything like that. I mean, it's a formidable defense, middle of the pack, a little bit below average, probably in my opinion. Uh, but they got some dudes over there, Je uh, Jeffrey Simmons, some other good players that I like, Aziz Alshair. For them to really put on, for him to really put those guys in position to succeed, I feel like throughout the course of the night, uh, was hopefully something that we'll see moving forward. Let's talk about the run game. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren combined for an outstanding night, well over 150 yards combined. And that's what we're going to have to look at it as. It's what do the two guys do together? Because we're not really looking at a true one and, and backup situation here with these two. And we've talked about their relative strengths and weaknesses here. But um, to see them succeed, I know overall on the night, I think uh, you wrote that their success rate on run plays was just slightly under 50%. Doesn't mm -hmm. sound great, but for the majority of the game, they were um, controlling the line of scrimmage. So uh, was that the biggest change for you was the fact they were able to establish something on the ground in that first drive? Yeah, I mean, I, I think all in all, um, a big part of, you know, just NFL offense now is, you know, when teams such as like what the Titans were doing uh, with the Steelers and their 11 personnel, you know, getting that tight end uh, to the core, the Titans are responding with six man boxes. And whenever you're seeing um, those type of six man boxes, you have to absolutely take advantage. Um, that's not something that they've done, you know, extremely consistently over the course of the season. But I think that that's when they've had their most success when they're running from the shotgun. They introduced um, 
some different uh, rushing concepts. You know, they were doing some different things in terms of, you know, getting offensive linemen pulled. I think I'm not really sure why it took so long, but it seems like they're finally understanding like, hey, James Daniels and Isaac Sabala are pretty good, are pretty good uh, pullers out in space. So, you know, they're doing those things a little bit more. And I think that 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 was a good thing to see. Um, Of course, the uh, entry of Broderick Jones into the lineup, I, th- I thought was definitely a good thing. But, you know, I think just really them, excuse me, I have a fly running across the basement. <laughs> um, just them introducing like more power concepts, like uh, the touchdown run on the opening drive was a one back power uh, with Sam Allo coming over um, and climbing to the second level. He absolutely bodied uh, the place had linebacker on that play. Uh, one of my favorite runs of the season so far, if not my favorite to break down. But yeah, you mentioned 45% rushing success rate, and that doesn't even take out, you know, really the three last runs of the game, which were basically just to run the clock out. Mm-hmm. So all in all, you know, they were fifth in rushing success rate uh, for week nine, which is a really good thing. Um, and that's really what the Steelers team needs. They need to be efficient running the ball. They're slowly climbing up the rankings in terms of uh, rushing success rate, rushing EPA. So that's something that needs to continue uh, if the Steelers want to, you know, make this push for the playoffs. We heard a lot of talk about how important the run game was, how they wanted to establish that early. That's such a cliche in football, establish the run. We heard that a lot in the 90s and 2000s when we were coming up, and maybe it's coming back into vogue a little bit more here. But for the Steelers especially, with uh, the, the quarterback they have still developing, the offense still developing, overall that they, they need something they can rely on, and maybe it's the, the run game. Got to have an identity. Yeah, it's right. Exactly. Something you can uh, go to in a in a critical situation, which could just as easily be the first drive of the game as opposed to the last drive of the game. Both equally important last week, I would say. All right. On to second down. And you brought it up. Broderick Jones made his second start of the season on the Steelers offensive line. But it was his first at right tackle as he replaced Chooksakorafor, who said he was benched more for non-performance reasons than performance reasons. Who knows exactly what motivated that move for Mike Tomlin and company. But um, either way, with Jones in there as a rookie, that's now a couple of rookies who've earned a starting positions. Looks like Jones is going to start again um, for the Steelers against the Packers here. And we saw Joey Porter Jr. gain a, a starting position as well a couple of weeks ago. But uh, talking about Jones in particular, Derek, you think tackles, you think pass protection first. I think that's always the thing. But mm-hmm. I guess on the right side, maybe a little bit less than that. And, and also you look at, at Jones as a mobile guy. Looks like he could be great as a run blocker too. So um uh, upside for you for Jones what are you seeing there from him in the very early going in his NFL career yeah I mean overall man with Broderick and Joey Porter Jr who we'll talk about a little bit as well I just think that the way that these guys are playing out of the gate is extremely impressive um it's not been you know perfect necessarily but it's been really freaking good and I think that's extremely exciting um you mentioned Jones being athletic man some of the stuff that Georgia would do uh with him on the move uh doing like pin and pull getting him out in space as a puller um you know he has a really good targeting system for him like when he gets out in space even those defensive backs they can't run and hide from him like he's he's that athletic with his foot speed uh he's a really good finisher in space uh the Steelers were running uh like dart or tackle wrap with him against the Titans where he was kind of responsible for either leading through the B gap or kicking out the M man on line of scrimmage. 
Um, you saw his power a couple of different times. And then as a pass protector, you mentioned that's probably the, you know, the most important part of playing tackle at the NFL level because of all these edge rushers that we've got playing at an elite level. Um, I just think his athleticism and his ability to get out of his stance, um, it's really hard to beat him around the corner because he is so athletic. He is so explosive. Um, and then the hand usage, I think it's slowly, slowly coming together. I even caught him a couple times on film, uh, flashing some independent hand usage, which is something like we never saw at Georgia, something that Pat Meyer uh, really preaches, um, that physical approach up front. So I was really impressed by, by his performance. Only one pressure allowed uh, in a game where he started at a position he's never played before, basically. So um, it's it was really impressive for sure. Independent hand usage. Can you flesh that out for those of us who aren't as well-schooled as, as you in this sort of thing? Yeah, so a lot of times um, – like uh, kind of the new, I don't, I don't want to say it's new age, but in a way it kind of is. Um, a lot of tackles, like the best tackles, uh, don't two-hand punch anymore because elite uh, edge rushers will use that to their advantage and because it makes the, it makes you more predictable. Um, so a lot of times, depending on the type of edge rusher you're uh, facing, you may want to lead with like more of an inside hand punch. The, the key to both of those things is A, not being late with your hands, and B, like making sure that your hand placement is good. So for example, if you two hand punch or you lead with your outside hand, but you miss the midline and you hit the inside shoulder instead of down the midline, guys are going to be able to corner you extremely easy. But one of the things that I think the independent hand usage helps with is it kind of eliminates or I think neutralizes some of the effects of uh, like bending at the waist or lunging, which elite edge rushers take advantage of that too. So I think that um, some of those things are are looking better. I've also noticed that he's not carrying his hands like nearly as low in his sets. That was something that I thought led him to being late with getting his hands on the rusher. Um, you know, you talk about offensive tackles. They're always trying to make that like first significant contact. That's something that like offensive line coaches like preach. If you listen to like clinics and stuff like that, just taking the fight to the edge rushers. And I think that sometimes Jones would be carrying his hands so low that it would take him a long time to get them up. It's not that his hands were slow. It's just he was carrying them so low. And then by the time he got them up, he was almost bear hugging guys and they were able to get into his chest. Not a problem when you're playing SEC because like he was just so much stronger with the anchor ability, the hands, so much grip strength. It didn't really matter because people couldn't really move him. It's different in NFL, though, when you're going against like elite, elite level athletes, the best, the best in the world. So it's encouraging that we're seeing some slight improvements with this technical ability, as well as, you know, all the athleticism stuff that he already has. You tweeted this week that you feel like this is the greatest collection of edge rushers we've seen in the NFL ever. And uh, the numbers certainly point to that conclusion. I think the eye test does as well. And something I've been thinking about as I've watched this season play out, especially is do we have to adjust our expectations for offensive linemen when it comes to, to pass protection, just because of how good uh, some of the rushers are, most of the rushers are, uh, they can make you look silly if you're not on top of your game. So do we have to um, grade on a curve here compared to what we're used to seeing from quote unquote, good offensive lines when it comes to, either run blocking or pass protection, but I guess more I'm talking pass protection in this case. Yeah. I mean, dude, we just have like the collection of talent is just absurd. You look at guys, uh, Max Crosby, Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, like all of those guys right now have over 39 pressures on the season. Uh, you know, three of those four guys or three of those five guys, excuse me, have double digit sacks already. We're halfway through the year. 
that's not even including guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Allen, Josh Sweat, Trey Hendrickson, all those guys playing at an extremely high level. And there's like so many more. Alex Hospice is having a really good year that, that I think the sack numbers aren't telling the true story on as well. So um, just how difficult it is to play tackle, like uh, something with, uh, you know, defensive coaches, they can they can never have enough pass rushers. Right. Everybody's looking for pass rushers, pass rushers, pass rushers, interior on the out, on the outside as well. Uh, but we just don't have enough, enough quality offensive linemen. I mean, that's always been a problem, really. But it's just more, I think, highlighted now because of the way the game is played and because how freakish these athletes are on the defensive line. Um, we just don't like kids. I think I think really the main source of it is like it's the least like sexy position mm-hmm. to play like growing up so we just don't get the caliber you know if you're that type of athlete more than likely you want to like run after the quarterback instead of protecting them so yeah. um it is it is something to definitely to taking account of man like you look at all the stuff that offensive coordinators are having to do with their scheme and their game plans on a week-to-week basis to take out some of these rushers it's tough man it makes it makes life hell literally just one more tangent on this one while i'm thinking about it do you feel like the officiating is letting offensive linemen get away with more, especially on the outside there, because it feels like we've always said this in Pittsburgh, James Harrison's getting held on every play. That was a meme for a while before we even talked about memes, I suppose, but that was uh, a frequent talking point. Now it's the same deal with TJ Watt to a lesser degree, Alex Highsmith. Are you seeing that? Do you feel like officials maybe not feeling, feeling bad for the offensive linemen, but in the, interests of competitive balance at the line of scrimmage do you think they're letting more go there yeah so i think from a pittsburgh perspective and this is really just this is really just like my own i don't know i this is just what i see on my timeline i don't not want people yelling at me in the comments or anything i think there's a lot of confusion about like what holding is and what it's not so for example like um harrison good example tj watt both those guys are big rip move guys like a lot of edge rushers like if you have the rip moving repertoire depending on how often like you're spamming the move it's gonna look like you're getting held but that's the thing like if you do attempt a rip move you're not getting a holding penalty the Mm -hmm. only way that you will get a holding penalty is if basically you already have the advantage and you're in front of the tackle and he basically clotheslines you from behind if you rip, you're not getting a hold. That's just is what it is. That's the way it's officiated. So um, I think a lot of people, I think, mistake that for holding when it's really not holding and it never gets called. And it's not just Pittsburgh. It's literally everywhere. So I don't know if it's a difference in terms of how it's officiated. One thing that I have noticed a little bit um, for the people that, um, you know, freak out on me about TJ, um, TJ there are some times where I feel like he doesn't get hands to the face penalties because there's been two times in the last couple of weeks where I feel like they missed hands to the face on him. That's mm-hmm. a bigger and more inconsistent thing to me on how it gets officiated. But rip moves, you're not getting a penalty, man. I hate to tell you all that, but it's just how the rules officiated. It, the rules, the rule. Uh, we can all scream about it. We can say it looks bad. It's not fair or whatever. It's, it's not going to change. So all that's right. what it is. Well, now to a topic that might be even a little more controversial, the uh, the fact that uh, George Pickens is unhappy with his recent production. It sure seems like it from the body language on the field. We can take or leave the social media stuff that happened this past week, but we're not really here to, to talk about that. What we are here to talk about is the fact that we were discussing the Steelers having maybe two number one caliber receivers. 
uh, just a couple of weeks ago with Deontay Johnson returning from the hamstring issue. And uh, Johnson's made an impact for sure coming back, but George Pickens has just 21 combined receiving yards over the past two weeks. Yes, he does have a touchdown, did score the touchdown against the Jaguars um, on an explosive play or at least uh, a dynamic play in the red zone. But you wrote extensively on this for Steelers Now Plus this week. I suggest everyone check that out. And if you're not subscribed, please do subscribe. But uh, the Steelers offense is facing a lot of cover two looks, the sixth most in the NFL per sports info solutions, also the most zone looks overall. So you think, is that more the explanation that teams are just not giving Pickens the man situations that he was feasting on earlier this season? Yeah, I think more than anything, man, it's it's one of those things where I think the that NFL defenses, like we talk about Pickett, Pickens, like this group of Steelers offensive players, like this group was here last year. So with a rookie quarterback, we all know what happens. You know, guys get in there, we get a 12-game sample or whatever on what they are as a player, and then NFL coordinators say, okay, this is what we think you are. This is how we're going to play you moving forward. One of the things that teams have done over the course of the season is I think they realized over the course of like down the stretch last year, um, it's just really not smart to play man coverage against them. And that's pretty simple. I always think of uh, man coverage like if your quarterback or if your offense isn't successful against man coverage, it's probably because um, you just don't have enough weapons on the outside. Well, the Steelers have weapons like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens are perfectly fine, if not pretty good one two punch on the outside. So not a lot of teams have cornerbacks that they're comfortable with just living in man-to-man situations to get those guys. So what they're doing is playing a lot of cover two. So Pickens in particular has seen a ton of clouded coverages. Sometimes he's getting a, shape, a safety shaded to him. Sometimes it's quarters. Uh, they're doing different things to take him away based on the routes that he likes to run from where he's aligned. So it's just making it difficult. Um, you could categorize those as like double teams, but that's part of being – um, that's part of, you know, being a number one guy or being what I would call just like a dude. If you're one of the best players on the offense, teams are going to try to take you away. Really from here, I'm interested to see like what the counter is, what the adjustment period is for this team. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned in your piece, this is not the greatest show on turf. This is a Steelers offense still trying to find its way. So they're maybe just not capable right now of feeding two number one receivers as they, as they should be fed. Uh, in terms of opportunity. And like you said, Deontay Johnson is often open, so that's going to be a security blanket for for Kenny Pickett once he does get him back in the lineup. And we've seen that in the last uh, couple of games with uh, with Johnson back. How much can George Pickens do himself, though? Uh, He probably should have had a touchdown against the Titans, couldn't get the second foot down. Really, it wasn't even that close. Kind of a mysterious miss from him on what was a pretty good throw from, uh, from Kenny Pickett. And maybe a couple other situations where perhaps he's uh, not doing all he can, not saying it's an effort thing, but perhaps a technique thing, perhaps a focus deal. Uh, How do you feel about his individual performance, George Pickens, I'm talking about? Yeah, so, I mean, it's like one of the bigger things. I don't even think we're having this conversation or we're not going through whatever, like, cryptic Instagram posts, whatever. George can say it was something or whatever. We, We can have opinions on that. Just what's out there on the film, though, they missed some opportunities over the past couple of weeks, you know, uh, Pickens gets open. They, they, they get a man coverage look. So they get uh, against the Jags early in the game. They get uh, middle field close. It's man coverage. The safety is shaded towards Johnson. Who's out there uh, on the boundary. Pickens is the lead man on the bunch. They run a corner out, pick it under throws it. All right. So that's, that's a big play off the board could have scored, but at least like a 40, 50 yard play probably 
don't get it. All right. So then the next week comes over and they're running mesh against man, which is a really good play because you're basically just trying to pick the defenders underneath. It's third and short. Pickett sprays a drag route like 10 yards over his head. That's a big play. I mean, it's like 30 yards right off the board. That's frustrating. Okay. And then Pickens himself, like this on the slot fade, it's a really good play call because we talked about how defenses are playing them based on like where he's aligned. Well, on third down, that's the man coverage down in the NFL. They move him into the slot. Say, okay, like we're not going to let you just keep T off on this dude. We're going to put him in the slot. Slot fade is a good call against that coverage. He has plenty of room. That ball is perfectly fine from Kenny. I've seen like some, some people saying like one way or another, in my opinion, it's like a nine out of 10 throw and the, it needs to be caught. He's got like two yards to the, to the white to get his feet inbounds. He just does it personally. I just think he got a little lazy with his, with his feet. Like I, I don't think it's really anything more than that, but you know, those plays all happening in a two week span. I think that does lead to frustration and maybe it's not just, I don't even want to say it's like George just being frustrated at the lack of targets, only five targets the past two weeks. Sometimes you can just be frustrated with your own player, your own circumstances. It can be all of the above. It doesn't have to be one thing or another. So there's going to be weeks with Deontay Johnson back that Deontay's going to, Deontay's always been a target guy. So like he's going to get his looks. There's going to be weeks where George is going to be quiet until this offense proves that they could be like a really high powered passing offense, which I don't think any of us are like necessarily anticipating happening anytime soon, just based on what we've seen. Let's move on to uh, the different side of the matchup here as we prepare for the Packers, as the Steelers prepare for the Packers, more importantly. Uh, defensively, did pretty well, uh, did the Steelers, uh, against Will Levis and the Titans last week. Just gave up the 16 points, didn't give up a passing touchdown, um, picked off Levis once as well. And, uh, well, we maybe could expect something similar this week against another young quarterback and um, really, it's like looking in a mirror in some degree for Pittsburgh because much like Kenny Pickett, Jordan loves struggling with uh, putting passes on target. He's 23rd in the NFL and overall on target passing percentage and 30th in 20 plus yards downfield throws. So um, just overall not being able to hone in on the receivers, whether that's an execution issue on his part or something else, not sure. But uh, regardless, the Packers passing offense has not been um, certainly what it used to be with uh, Aaron Rodgers back there. So uh, what do you think the Steelers D looks at here uh, in terms of trying to keep Jordan Love inaccurate to make him uncomfortable? Um, what do you think the game plan is going to be in that regard? Yeah, I mean, Love over the second half of the Rams game last week, I thought played uh, played fairly well. Look, this Packers offense, man, it's there's no doubt about it. They struggled, okay? They got a lot of young players. I think I saw someone tweet the other day. I wish I would love to give credit to who it is. I just can't remember. But they tweeted, like, the average age of all the starters on offense and defense. So Pittsburgh has the oldest defense in the league based on their starting uh, age. But they had the third youngest on offense, which checks out, right? We, we know how that is. Um, the Packers are the youngest offense in the NFL, I think, by a decent amount, like a couple months on average. So – like, that's what's kind of frustrating for them is, you know, they've got Jordan Love. Um, you know, he's a he's a young dude. He's been in the league a couple of years, but hasn't had the chance to play a lot. And they've got a ton of young receivers. They got Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, all the Christian Watson. All these guys are first and second year players. Romeo Dobbs. So it's just it just feels like they're trying to overhaul the offense like on the fly. Um, granted, they do have a strong offensive line, even without David Bakhtiari. They're pretty good in pass protection. But, man, it's just 
everything looks so dysfunctional. There's like, honestly, like there's a lot of parallels between like the Green Bay offense and how it's looked and the Steelers offense and how it's looked. I think Green Bay has the advantage up front on the offensive line. Pittsburgh has the advantage on the outside with the receivers. So it's really difficult to, you know, see any type of consistency with either one of these offenses, which I think is good news for the defenses. And we could see another ugly game probably mm-hmm. at Akershire Stadium on Sunday, if I was to guess. Yeah, like we haven't seen enough of that, but right. hey, it's working for the most part outside of the Jacksonville game. That's been the Steelers' wheelhouse, um, I suppose. So um, how do you feel for the Steelers' offense uh, against what the, the Packers send out there? They really limited the Rams last week, but um, quality of competition, maybe not what it uh, what it could be or, or, or should be throughout the course of the season. Right. So how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, this Packers defense, um, it's strong up front. Like, I think Rashawn Gary's playing extremely good ball. Um, He's one of the the more fun uh, pass rushers, honestly, to watch just because of, uh, you know, the brand of ball that he plays. He is a really good combination of power and speed. So he's a power rusher, loves speed to power, loves a bull rush, uh, long arm. But he's added more to his resume um, than just being like a toolsy guy. Um, he can corner, you know, he's explosive. So it's really difficult on how you choose to set him um, over the course of the early, uh, the early course of the season. It seemed like they were using him like all around the formation, left and right side. Now he's just playing on the left. So Project Jones is going to get him the majority of the time. I would assume that's going to be a really good matchup for Jones to kind of um, see where he stands. Gary's second right now in pass rush win rate, according to Pro Football Focus, behind only Miles Garrett. So he's having a really good year. Um, they got Jair Alexander, another really good player. We mentioned George Pickens. Those two, that matchup is going to be really interesting because Jair is a talker. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback talk more than him. And Pickens likes to talk too. So that's definitely going to be a fun matchup. But the Packers play a lot of cover three. I mean, it, it's it's the most or one of the most basic defenses that you will see in the NFL today. It's almost like Gus Bradley's defense for the Colts is kind of almost what it reminds me of a little bit because of how static it is. They stick to what they do. They don't throw a lot of change-ups at you on the back end. Um, so it, everything that they run is is already on film. Like There's not going to be any surprises for Kenny Pickett in that group, but um, they do have some talent on that side of the ball for sure. Okay, so if we take a look at the big picture here, we zoom out, take in all the information. Feels like a game the Steelers should win. If I were Vegas, I'd probably say Steelers by a field goal. In this case, are you feeling similarly, or do you sense a surprise here coming from Green Bay? Yeah, I I like the Steelers here just because they're at home, man. Like, Mm -hmm. I got to say that being at home is huge. Uh, I just don't think that I I like the Steelers defense the most out of all of these kind of units. Mm -hmm. I trust them uh, a little bit more. I think, uh, like I said, Green Bay's offense and Pittsburgh's offense really isn't that dissimilar, Uh, but I do like the Pittsburgh defense more than I like the Green Bay defense. And that's really what it comes down to me. I think that the Steelers at home, uh, three and a half, is it three or three and a half point spread? That feels fair to me um, because I do think the Steelers are a little bit better of a team. Um, but it should be an interesting matchup nonetheless. I don't think that we're going to see a ton of fireworks, if I had to guess. Um, one thing that does play well into Green Bay's favor is Aaron Jones is back, and he's back to like getting a full workload. You could tell when he was out right uh, early in the season, them trying to use A.J. Dillon, just not the same caliber of running back. Uh, like I mentioned with how just young Green Bay is on offense. They need that veteran guy to come in there and handle a lot of the touches. 
Jones does that. Watch for him in the screen game. Always been one of the best receiving backs in the league. So he he's kind of the one X factor. You know, the Steelers are going to have to make sure they stop the run. I thought they did a really good job against Derrick Henry for the most part last week. Got to do the same with Jones because, uh, you know, Green Bay sets some of their play action stuff off of what he can do in the ground game. So slowing down 33 is definitely priority number one, in my opinion. Okay, we're recording this a day earlier than usual this week, but last line I did see is Steelers minus three. So, hey, it adds up. We sound pretty smart here, yeah. (laughs) Pick the lines. That's always been one of my favorite games in the NFL and uh, see where our perceptions match up with uh, the real sharps. And it looks like folks are slightly favoring the Steelers as of right now. Makes sense, but uh, we do know that there's not a lot of margin for error typically for, for Pittsburgh these days. So, they got to execute. They got to get it done. A good start would be helpful. Also, a fine finish. <laughs> that was the formula against the Titans on the offensive side. And just uh, overall, pretty solid defensive performance last week, last Thursday. Back to normal here this week, Sunday at 1 o'clock. Thanks for watching the Steelers Now pregame scout with myself and analyst Derek Bell. His work is on the site. He also breaks down film on his own YouTube channel, so seek him out there. Remind you to also follow Steelers Now on social media. Uh, there you see the. Uh, Typical address there for us is PGH Steelers Now and then SteelersNow.com on the web. For Derek, I'm Matt. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Speak.